You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Tony. You know, obviously, obviously, obviously. That's right. I got Dave here. Uh, I, I think that... You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Um, speaking of that, speaking of that... Celinda. You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once? Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. It's like people at this point are resigned to defeat... Yeah. The majority, you know, whereas like I try to be like the ever the optimist where there's two yeah. sides to every coin. And oh, yes, absolutely. you know, things yeah. aren't going good for the earth, but that doesn't mean well, that even, we just need to destroy it because it's going to no, happen anyways. You know what well, I'm saying? But that that's but that I think that's the sad part, because like we have the technology to do a much better job. You know what I mean? Look at even in covid when things slowed down the regenerative nature of like how fast the air cleaned how how fast we don't know the capacity that mama can regenerate right you know, we don't even give her a chance to breathe it's 24 no. 7 all the time so i agree with you i don't I, I don't think it's more i don't think it's like a doomsday thing but i think it's that if we don't get our head out of our ass and start making conscious decisions on how we want to interact with her like we it's probably not going to be that great it's like saying that you want change and doing something that's hurting you but then don't you don't make the right. change well you're going to get the same outcome you know like if i go get hammered every friday and feel like shit on saturday and want that change but i don't change that initial behavior and, it, and i think it's the discomfort of that change yeah you know that is hindering us i think it might also be like like defeatedness like yeah. people are very morose because they feel like you know it's not that people don't put up yeah. a fight it's just that um trying to live your own life and survive as an individual absolutely and what am i gonna do about it you know what the hell can i do about right it? like because yeah. people you know i've known plenty of people who uh might want to do something to better the earth or the community or, or things around them, but it's so difficult because you get so much pushback oh, yeah. that it just jades people. They right. just ended up jaded, and and then they're like, well, there's no point because people suck, and this is just how it's going to be. I agree with you. I agree with you in the, in the way that I've been viewing it, like with the... Uh with the power set is that we're in the biggest narcissistic relationship there is with with the structure you know what i mean we get told one thing like okay take take even uh take recycling for example right they tell you that you should recycle they say that we should recycle but the truth of the matter is is that the top three major polluters in the whole entirety of the world they know where they are and you can recycle till you're fucking dead and it's not going to do anything mm -hmm. you know what i mean this is coming from like uh i was all about recycling <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But what, I, what? So what I'm saying is, in within that narcissistic relationship, is that they're putting. Uh, they're saying they're putting the blame on the individuals when really there's a system set that is hugely polluting, and that your individual household doesn't make one bit of difference right it, it, it doesn't matter it doesn't and the entirety of it you know it's it's the it's in our relationship it's like looking at a pear tree and wanting it to have apples it doesn't matter how many times you do it or how long you do it that fucking pear tree is not gonna have apples right and making that like initial change or whatever is always 
the real the hardest part I think especially when you see like a cause and effect relationship you know what I mean yeah. like bring going back to <clears throat> drinking every Friday and then feeling like shit the next day yeah. and so I feel like so many people are, are focused on the now and are not thinking long term towards any of their uh, their life you know I started realizing like hey I don't really like drinking pop so much yeah. because I don't like how it makes my mouth feel afterwards you know what I mean right. now I've probably known this for a long time, but to actually like make a change or decide that I'm not going to drink as much pop anymore because yes. it makes my mouth feel bad uh-huh. afterwards yeah. is is an entirely different thing because in the moment I'm just like, I want to pop because it's tasty and delicious right. and it's what I like to drink. It, even chemically, that feedback in your brain, you're used to that feedback. It's like, oh, oh this makes me feel good right now in the moment, you know? And then you go to the dentist every six months, and they're like, you got all these holes in your teeth. Yeah, Why? what's going on? Why? Right. Do you drink pop? Yeah, well, stop drinking as much, but it makes me feel good, you know? Like, right. I yes. like the way it tastes. Well, you're going to lose your teeth. <laughs> right, yeah, right. It, it, it's good to have you here, Josh. Hi, thank you. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank Everything you, thank at you. once. Um, we got Dave and Josh here, obviously, and uh, Josh is somebody that I admire because he's made a big change in his life and uh, has always been like um, a person that I've seen as, as taking that next step forward to make those positive changes uh, for his own personal well-being and has kind of followed through with that old dream that I personally have had and know that a number of other people have had to kind of withdraw a little bit from mainstream society and get some land out in the middle of nowhere and return back to a, uh, a different lifestyle that people used to embrace a lot more in the past. Yeah. And uh, I really want to hear what led up to you deciding to make this change, because I'm sure it's been a thought that you've had in your head since... Oh, yeah. Like, so, I thought of it since, like, being a teenager, you yes, know what I me mean? me too. Me too. Like, and, God damn, I wish I could just leave all this stuff behind and right. go out and take yeah. care of myself and live off the land and stuff. I've been talking about living this way since, since 18 or 19, and I'm going to be... I think I'm going to be 45 years old this year. And in... Uh, yeah, just taking that leap, there's always a reason not to. And, like, so you just were asking the lead-in to that. I had just got done remodeling a four-story house down on Liberty Street, and the plan was that uh, that's where I was going to live. Uh, myself, my my daughter, and my son. And uh, I was getting done, and actually my father was up helping me and was, like, asking... Uh, if, this, if this was what I really wanted, you know, and the only reason I was in Erie is because my daughter had uh, was going to collegiate. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a city person to begin with, and here I was looking at like recommitting to a mortgage to being in Erie for a, a long time. Yeah, a good long time, <clears throat> and I'm like, no, no, I don't want. And actually, that's so funny because the thing that was whispering in my ear. During that time was the waters rising, the waters rising, and it was like talking to me like culturally, like you know, like things, things. are gonna, things are going to be shifting. The waters rising right now, 
and I decided that I, I wasn't going to do it, you know, and I, and oh, my kids were pissed off at me. Everybody was pissed off at me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, and but once the decision was made, it just flowed. I had friends that were out in the country that I had been doing and going and doing work for for like at least the last four or five years, uh, and it just happened to be that there in in that area there was a place for sale, and it was eight acres. The man was willing to do it on contract. Uh, the money came together in the right way, and. Uh, I took Kai, my son, and we moved out into a school bus that one of my friends owned. And like so, March three years ago, this March, uh, that's where we were. That's interesting. That's a huge change from uh, Liberty. Oh yeah. To uh, <laughs> staying in a school bus. How did uh, <clears throat> did you like living in like a tiny home for a little bit? Uh, it. I did not like it. it, and it's funny because every step of the way, I mean, it started out living in the school bus, then it started out living in structures that, I mean, the, on the property that I got, it's like a broken down old farmhouse, and I mm -hmm. actually ended up turning the garage into a cabin, and it's still being finished right now, but it, like every step of the way was like the next step, meaning like at first... Uh, Okay, we got the electricity on. All right, the water system's running, you know, all the way to, like, functioning plumbing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, we, I mean, for... Uh, and you're a craftsman, too, so you did most of this work yourself. Yeah, and that was a huge blessing, too, because the crazy shit that we did, had I not had that skill set, we wouldn't have been able to do it's it. It's so valuable. You know? So valuable to be able to do construction work and plumbing and all of those things. Um it's, it's something that I wish I could do more of or was more uh, inclined towards doing currently. Yeah. Well, and I'm seeing you do more of it. We just were out yeah, right. and looking at your treehouse. Well, I didn't. I paid people and, to build yeah. that. <laughs> but, I, well, but I'm a roofer now. You're right. I, I'm, I, I put the roof on my garage with the help of some friends. And I guess that's where it starts, too. You know, everything kind of, like you said, comes in phases and in waves. And as people progress as human beings, we learn more and more and pick up these skills. Oh, yeah. And share skills with each other, right? It, I mean, like, so... There's a lot of things that I'm not good at, and, the, and that just happens to be one of the things that I can do. Like the, when you were telling me about what you've learned about the technology to be able to do what we're doing right here, nope, <laughs> you know, not. I don't have that. But uh, but yes, so like it, it's like was like a hundred year old farmhouse. The foundation was falling in in the back. There it was, was in rough like, shape when I saw it. Oh at first. my gosh, it was a field, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, yeah, and that's so funny because before we started, before we just you we before you started broadcasting this, we were talking about taking the risk to create change, and how it can be uncomfortable at times. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we did move out there, in everyone that I've seen move out to the area, there there's like a breakdown of stepping out you know like and, and we're we're pretty deep in the country i'm like probably 10 minutes from town but like when i go to town it feels like i'm coming in off the mountain you right know, there it is it is fairly isolated there's twice there's not a lot going on out no and there's twice as many people in the neighborhood right now as there was but it's still it still feels like we're way out there but like uh so i don't i don't want to say discomfort but that 
that breakdown that happens when you step away from all this, when you're not in traffic, when you like when we first started, I could, I didn't even have internet. My phone wouldn't even pick up, and I I remember like two or three, four, three or four months after being there, the first time that Netflix worked, I sat down right where I was, <laughs> you know, right. and, and watched until I ran out of signal, you know, uh, but that that breakdown of that constant feedback that slow down the reconnection with the earth, you know, uh, that moving back to a slower, a slower pace than the, the fast paced lives that a lot of us live out here. Is right. It, is it, would you, th- is it like a withdrawal? Like when? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when, uh, Tony sent me some messages about like just throwing ideas out there about what we would talk about. And part of it was like the way that culture is right now with the kids and like that, that instant feedback cycle is what popped up when I read that question that you had wrote or that idea. And yeah, cause right. We get, we get instant feedback all the time now. Right. Especially know? with Facebook and social media and oh all the things gosh. that uh, need to be done right away. Like, chop, chop, you know, right. especially at like work or any sort of environment that really thrives on a deadline. Right. Well, maybe not thrives on a deadline, but lives on a deadline. Yeah. Or, yeah. Even, or even like the, uh, the hustle and bustle of the city. Now, granted, Erie isn't a, this isn't New York, you know, it's not L.A., but it's still, you know, a decent size. And uh, just even going away from the hustle and bustle just oh, to be yeah. out, out in the country, out in the sticks, like, right. you know, I, I've always been a, a city slicker type, you know. Yeah, like, same for the most part. I've lived it, spent most of my life in the city for sure. And I'd say, like, I don't know, like, kind of feel like a walking contradiction sometimes because I have some very, like, uh, very like wavy gravy 60s you know hippie yeah. mentality but then on the other side like i just love being around people and i love having like immediate access yeah to like a whole bunch of different uh things to occupy my time because i don't like working with my hands yeah you know i'd rather pay someone to, to do yeah, it well, it's well, well, that's cool too because that keeps me employed man right, yeah right, exactly yeah. it's a circle of, you know it's a, the, the delicate uh, ecology of of human life oh and that and the, exactly and i think that's the beautiful thing of having a circle of people or of having communities that people get to bring what what they do bring you know and, and we can benefit each other in that way right and withdrawing from the convenience i think has a lot of value to uh at least me personally i find more satisfaction when i go the uh, less traveled road, so to speak, or the yeah. the path that's uh, a little got more brush in it, you know, that I have to work my way through rather than the uh, instant gratification of ordering something from Grubhub or Amazon or whatever that's oh, going to yeah. just magically appear at my door somehow right. in the next couple of days. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, do you think that the what you looked at as inconveniences are now, um, you know, are they less of an inconvenience or are they more of just like a part of life now or are they, it it wasn't necessarily like an inconvenience. It was more like a withdrawal, you know? Uh, and, and as it goes, actually I've gotten more and more spoiled because now it's like up and running pretty well, Mm -hmm. you know? So now, I mean, there's different tasks that we have to do that we've spent like, the last couple of weeks getting wood ready for winter. Uh, we have uh, animals that we're tending to now. Uh, and it, it's funny because you had mentioned that uh, 
it is everything at once and it's nothing at once too you know it's a like it's a when you have big goals or a bigger vision that things take time exactly you you start having like one-year plans two-year plans three-year plans uh but what i can say is that if i would have like wrote down the things that i wanted to happen uh in the initial moving out there, I would have sold myself short because mm-hmm. I didn't know all the beautiful things that were going to happen, you know, by being uh, connected with a neighborhood of friends and beautiful people, by touching the land again, by uh, having interactions with uh, with animals every day. Uh, we're raising rabbits, we're about to get some hogs, and like that, just the nature of that that creates the routine, mm-hmm. you know, creates a really beautiful thing. And it is that slowdown, you know. Uh, and changing that routine is, is uh, a difficult task. But once things do become routine, I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, actually going to the gym and how I was focused on you know, determination, you know, that was like my, my motivation point. Like I'm determined to do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And he's like, you know, de- determination is only going to last you so long, Tony. You, we, we don't have a, a bottomless supply of motivation and determination. Right. And that's where routine comes in. Right. And it's not a task anymore. It's just what we do. Right. Discipline. Right. Yeah. And that might be another word for it. Cause we, and I've heard the same thing before, like that motivation comes and goes, but it's, it's the discipline is doing it when we don't really want to be doing it. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. it's, a, it's a, it's a very, uh, I'm not, I know Tony's familiar with this individual. I'm not sure if you are, but uh, it's very David Goggins esque way of looking at things. He's uh are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. So he's just like this badass motherfucking like uh former Navy SEAL former ultra marathon runner. Oh, I know the guy you're talking yeah, about. He does all sorts yeah, of inspirational always, stuff. Like, and like get hard, you know, stay hard, whatever. And he, uh, did he do like the world's most pull ups or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he did. He, <laughs> he did. Yeah, I know he who did. you're talking he about. He did. Yeah. And uh it's kinda of, yeah, I like that idea because um it's one thing to have a goal yeah and it's another thing to follow through with it uh-huh. and like following through with it is something that uh not a lot of people do because it's highly uncomfortable yes like it gets to the point where you get bored or well, that's how we were we were talking right when we got down here about how people want to make a change in the world or even make a change in their own life but right. there's so many contributing factors that can wear you down mm-hmm that it just stops the vast majority of people of doing what they want to do. Right. And uh, how, how, how do you... Well, I mean, you enjoy. You enjoy being out there. I do enjoy being out there, yeah. Is, is, there, any, is there any, like, uh, any, any like um, difficulties? Like, uh, like missing being like m- miss closer it. to culture? Being cl- yeah. yeah, exactly. Being closer to culture. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, that's a slam yeah, dunk awesome. then. <laughs> no, it, it, it was pretty easy for me. And I'm like, I grew up in the country. My people were like fruit farmers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've been picking up apples since I was like six or seven years old. It wasn't a big change. It was more like just waiting to to get back to that. And, and I've asked a lot of people that same question to Dave that live out in the same area as yeah. Josh and none of them have any 
regrets are missing society. And I feel like personally, I like because I love going out to events. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going to see plays and uh, concerts and doing different things around here. And yeah. I feel like I would miss that a lot. But everybody that I've asked that's moved out near where you are yeah. is all unanimously no. I do not miss being in the city of Erie or this whatever city or area they came from. Um, but I guess that, like, when you leave something, the door doesn't slam shut. It just changes or it opens right. a new door to find different ways to find that same uh, satisfaction or that same joy that I experience going out and engaging in uh, different things that the city has to offer me. Right. Um, compared to finding the stuff that I would enjoy living out um, with you guys in that community. I feel feel like, you know, when I, when I hear about these, and these kind of uh, adventures, not adventures, just, it's definitely an adventure. It's an adventure. I'm thinking like, almost like a, like an Iliad. No, not like Iliad, you know. It's more like Northern Exposure, man. Have you ever watched Northern Exposure? It is more like Northern Exposure. You're exactly right. I was trying to think of a good analogy. It's funny like that too, because it's like, we have like my partner and I, Dale, we have like an ongoing joke that every time a new character comes in, you know what I mean? Like Sky comes down and like Merle's drills wells and he'll do it for 2500 bucks and he's down there doing it right now you know it's like the new characters get introduced the story's uh, always changing the story's always changing and they're in so like what tony and i were talking about like people before we came down people getting well by that we need connection right and so like i'm not saying that this city doesn't have connection because that's individual that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. you can have a really good circle of people and still have a deep connection but like the slowdown first of all it almost feels like vibrationally like when I come to the city now if like okay today was very chill it was in the evening time I came directly to your house but if I'm out and about in Erie for the day like just the vibration of town and that might be like the uh, the breakdown that we were talking about if you when you initially come out like if you go sit in the woods for four days you're you're going to feel the break apart of of that you know (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You're, uh, you you talked about like the uh, when you were here. Yeah. Before you moved out, when you're down on Liberty, like the idea of or that feeling of like the water rising. Yeah. And it reminds me of like uh, a very very like Hunter S. Thompson esque when he when he was wrote like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. At the end of it, he talks about like the waves of the '60s rising and then crashing and the tide rolling back in as like the '70s. Uh, came to be and the status quo started to take back over and i wonder you, you said that there's like a doubling probably of people in your yeah your area right now do yeah. you think we're in like a current point in time like like it was back then where with like the clash of uh issues going on in in cities and big places you just have more and more people that that want to move like just kind of go and do their own thing Mm-hmm. You think that's something that's going on right now? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's always been going on, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, like, even so, like, I'm, we were talking to our neighbors the other day about hogs. We're thinking about mm-hmm. getting hogs. They have some. I'm like, uh, hey, can I come over and see you? Find out what information you have. But the point that I'm sharing is that he told me that, oh, yeah, we used to homeschool the kids. You know, or like, so here's this man that's probably like tw- uh, at least 15 years my senior, and they were doing 
the same thing. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's always been going on, and I think there's always been big contrast. And right now, yeah, we're at an apex again of like the need to keep us bickering about uh, controversial issues. Yeah, because like even with the idea of coming here and talking about community, like part of the things that I have learned over the last going on three years is that when we learn to have a deep respect for each other and we focus on the things that we do have in common, it's really easy to be in a good way with each other. Like, I don't need to believe what you believe to acknowledge that, like, we all have an interest in clean water. We all have an interest in clean food. We all have an interest in a safe place for our children to be. We all have an interest in being in a place that is safe from violent activity. Right. You know what I mean? Those are those will cross all religious denominations, political affiliations, your sexuality, all those things people have an interest in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if we could stay focused on that, it would be easy. But instead, we're focused on so much bullshit. You know what I mean? What do you think comes after the bullshit? Me and Dave kind of talked about this a little bit on our own. Um, about how right now, like the big cultural thing is like identity politics. It, well, not really like like identity yeah. politics, like just identity uh-huh. in general and finding your own ground. Right. And I feel like that's part of this is kind of part of your story or your experience is like moving away from that identity and becoming a we and becoming a part of a community, uh-huh. a tight knit community. What what com- culturally, if I understand what you're talking about, culturally what comes after the bullshit is they say, well, who's going to pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you come with this really good idea and hey, that's a great idea. Well, who the hell's going to pay for that? So it's like when control set was made, they they gave a clock and then they gave money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. then, and don't get me wrong, both things can be used in a good way, but when we're operating from rugged individualism, it's hard to see it. When my concerns are greater and grander than everyone else's, then it's a hard way to be. Like my buddy that lives next door is all into growing, loves growing, receives knowledge from being out there by being with the plants, by seeing the plants and comes back and shares. And it's just, it's beautiful to hear his stories. Uh, But like, so he's on a new venture right now where he is, uh, he's done it before, but there's, he's starting to grow a bunch of mushrooms. And every time he tells me what he's doing, it's like, his baseline is like, well, first I'm going to give everybody a bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And then we're going to go out there and sell some. You know what I mean? So, like, it's that idea of looking out for each other and fully acknowledging that, like, when, uh, when the health within my community, when there's a safe place for everyone's needs to be met, what's good for you will be good for mm-hmm. me. Like, and... and the crazy part is, is if he tells you about the trees, it's the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like they'll send, if, if there's a tree within a grove getting sick, they'll send it energy. And not only out of like this kindness, but because what's good for one of them is good for all. And right. Like everybody can do and be and think what they want to think. If we operated on a baseline of that care... Oh my gosh, man! What a the feast or famine mentality is something that's like been very ingrained. Like if I'm doing well, I need to be competitive with other people. You know what I mean? I need to beat my competition to get to a point where I succeed and I am comfortable. Before and instead of like seeing that this group 
together can flourish as one right. and all prosper instead of trying to be the sole or the monopolizing factor in uh, any given situation. Uh, well, yeah. in, 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 I mean, I don't want to swing too far to way out there, but like we are, as, as men, we are in arrested development, you know, we've, we've been conditioned to believe shit like that. But if we like go way back, like to what a warrior was, a warrior was of service. It wasn't me physically overtaking other people. Very, very, very rarely. It was me like making sure that the aunties and uncles and the grandmas and grandpas and the children had what they needed and, and my partner, you know, and being of service, you know, and, and we've lost that. We've even done the opposite of that. We've said that that's weak well, and, that, and that there's nothing farther from the truth. Well, I, I, I tend to, to wonder and think how big of a, a group, you can, how big of a collective you can have in one spot while still maintaining a sense of, of utopia or utopic thoughts. Oh, and, 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 it, and I hear you, but it's not utopia. That's, <laughs> that's the funny thing is, is that we have this like rainbows and or unicorn shitting rainbows idea. And it's, it's the exact fucking opposite of that too. It's like doing the hard work. Cause quite frankly, when the slowdown happens, you have a greater opportunity to see your own shadow. And the only way that it all really works is if people are committed to continually, uh, doing, uh, their own internal discipline to handle their own shit. I, I just wonder if like, just out of curiosity, just from things I've seen, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty big history buff or whatever, and I'm an optimist. That's how we started off this conversation. So I always want to try to find a way where things work out, where we yeah. break, break certain cycles, yeah. you know, that create the history we have as humans. And it just seems like the more that the, the more people grasp on to a pure idea the more it becomes disingenuous. Not so much the pe. I'm trying to think of like, you know, like let's say like the rainbow people. Yeah. You know, like it's a great concept, um, how they started. But then you get certain points where it's like, you know, when it's a very popular thing to do, Mm -hmm. you get a large group of people there that kind of going back to the Goggins and where it's like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to do it. But then when times get tough, a lot of people aren't going to look inward. They're going to cut throats to, yeah. to get what they need. So, like, where yeah. do you strike that balance between, like, how how big can you can you go? Like, do we need to be, like, a, a series of, like, small communities instead yeah. of networking into these giant globs of, like, like the city life? Mm-hmm. That's funny. Those are all, like, really good, really good uh, talking pieces because, like, really even... I don't even know what the idea of a utopia is. Like, if we were to define that, first it would be having access to the things that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and then everybody's going to do with it what they do with that. But right now in this time, it's like we're at least two generations out of grief healing before we could even start to talk about that, you know, And and doing that own internal work of getting your own bullshit out of the way, you know, is I think where we're at right now. Uh, do you think, do you think people have the capability when, when it's presented to them 
Because I feel like it's not always black and white, but I feel like two very common things would be you do the internal work and it's delayed gratification and you might be feeling like, you know, discomfort in Mm -hmm. the moment or you can cut another person's throat over and over again for like a sense of like getting what you want now accomplishment <laughs> instant gratification moving up the ladder. Well, well that's how the power structure works how like right now you know whatever foot you can get in you, you go to the top so you can have what the have-nots don't have and uh you know what what needs to be done is like on like a spiritual a cultural level to realign people to the idea that it's okay to wait for things like how how do we get there I think there needs to be like a, a sink or swim aspect. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you, you come out and the pain becomes great enough that you have to make a change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that may apply a little bit out there too. You know, like you talked about the slowing down process mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people have come out to where you guys are at and mm-hmm. probably turned back. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I- they couldn't, um, you know, they weren't cut out for it at that time. It was too much. It was too much to handle at that point, right? Or too much to handle at that moment in their existence. But yeah, you hit it right on the head of that that growth. Like even when we were talking about growth earlier, then it's it might seem like a dichotomy, but pain is usually that biggest instigator of growth. Mm-hmm, you know, right. when we and then getting very very honest with ourselves. You know, like one of the healthiest things that happened for me in the last couple of years is figuring out what's my shit and what's not my shit. Like if it's my shit then that's my opportunity and responsibility to to sit with that, right? Mm-hmm. If it's yours, I can love you, but I, I can't do nothing with it. You know what I mean? I can be here I can be here in a supportive stance. Uh but Getting really clear on that makes it much easier uh, because then uh, I I get to go sit with what I can sit with, mm-hmm. and other than that, I don't take it personally. You know what I mean? So if there's fucked up shit happening over there and it's not mine, then it's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, can I help you? Mm-hmm. And okay, if if I can, am I willing to? Okay, I'm willing to to do this this part of it. And if it's not, then it's giving time and space and just acknowledging that everybody uh, has their own uh, internal reflections to deal with, you know? I think that that's something that I struggle with personally is like, I see somebody do something to somebody else that doesn't really particularly affect me. Yeah. But now I have these judgments and maybe I should have those judgments or I should have those concerns about this person that I saw that wronged my friend, but how do I approach this situation without, um, you know, bringing those into it? Or do I excommunicate this person and say, you know, you hurt my friend and I don't want you to hurt me. And now you have to stay and play on your side of the fence. You know, I don't want you coming over onto my stuff. That's a really rough one, man. That's a, it's a big deal. And it's a rough one. Uh, Establishing who, those boundaries, you know. Right. What's healthy? Who are you going to invest in? What is the, uh, what is your personal boundary? You know, and it's usually for me, it's usually, uh, it's usually harm. You yeah. Know? And then if the cycles are repeated, you know. So yeah. if this is a reoccurring thing, then there has to be a healthy boundary drawn of what is allowed, you know. And if we go back to talking about what. Uh, 
a warrior looks like compared to a man culturally that I believe that we've been in an arrest development, it would be of what is creating a safe space for our people. Like that's like a, a mm -hmm. that's a baseline, <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, and so like in there, I know uh, there's other people that could talk to you better about this, but having a principle-based philosophy so like you can run it through a set of principles that you're working with and get an answer to anything. You know, so you so every every situation is its own. But if you have that baseline, that foundation to go through, then that can be your barometer. That can right. be your compass. And sticking to the, those moral fortitudes and those yeah. uh, principles that you're trying to aspire to be and <clears throat> want to surround yourself with, um, you know, helps put that barometer in the air of what is acceptable and what I will take on and what I won't take on. Okay. I, God, it's so difficult. Like, the more I'm thinking about it, I, like, start off, like, I'm a city slicker. I don't want to ever fuck, you know, do anything, you know, besides, like, you know, hang out in the city and enjoy people. But the more we're talking, I'm like, that barometer, every additional person that gets added into, mm -hmm. into your collective, like, uh, existence. Yeah does more to throw that barometer out of whack potentially you, right? you know like i feel like it's easy to not easy i won't say it like that because it could be a lot more difficult if you have like a I, i'd imagine if you have a small community where everyone's close mm -hmm. if somebody does something that's like uh not okay or like collectively frowned upon then it's someone that you love mm -hmm. so it's difficult to handle it in that way but when you got like a bigger scale thing like here like we got good ideas that I think initially, you know, the, the concept of how laws are put into place was a good idea to, to keep, prop up society. Now it's kind of bastardized, so like my philosophy might not line up with your philosophy and what, what I feel is um, moral and just mm -hmm. might not line up with what you think is moral and just. Right. And it just makes it difficult for us all to vibe on that same level Right. Uh, it, in the, you're talking about like we we come viewing this culture from a very arrogant standpoint, like that we're at the apex of culture. Right. right. We're so we have much smarter out. than all the generations prior to this. Uh, okay. Uh, it was Maslow, right? Ma Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. needs. Yeah. Okay. So if this is true, which I believe it is, Maslow stole that information the idea of it from the Blackfeet Indians. Oh, yeah. And what he had as his pinnacle of uh, self-actualization self -actualization was the baseline for theirs. Oh. It wasn't the top. This is where you started from, right? Because when you came up, you had models of it. You had aunties and uncles, and you had people that were investing in you. So this self-actualization, this was a given to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These individual... Uh, there was a lot more attachment, too, to those people compared yeah. to now where I'm very detached from, you know, oh, yeah, yes, my neighbors. Because there the was a cause and effect because if someone was fucking their shit up right over there, it was going to affect right. you. you. One know? way or the other, for sure. Right. So there was a reason, and we did see cause and effect. And that's funny because that's one of the things that we're, like, talking about the slowdown in this. This is to a degree an artificial reality built on so much labor like all the things that we're that you enjoy here or that we enjoy when we're 
in this culture in general, but definitely in the city, is so much encompassed labor and energy that makes this happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like when I, like the prep work that we did out there, if we wouldn't have prepped that wood and filled that, we we would be cold this winter. Mm You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like we get to there. There's a handful of things living out there, living closer to the earth, that you get to see the direct cause and effect from, which we don't. Not that much here. Like if you yeah. don't pay your electric bill, it'll get shut off after a couple months. So. But whether you pay it or not, you don't see the guy that's running the lines or right. working the machinery to make the electricity or any of that right. stuff. Do you think? Right. Do you think? And I give this for everybody. You know, just because it's something that super fascinates me. Obviously, if you're if you're going by like uh, um, common sense, like if everyone went out there to live that life, yeah, then that would turn into the city, and this would like be abandoned if you had that many people. Absolutely. So, so like, what's you know, being able to connect out there in the calm and the quiet, you know, gets you back to your roots and everything. Is there a way that people can do that? Oh, you know, while they're while they're still here, do you think it's more difficult? Absolutely. Well, I think it's all mindset, man. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't even think that like that. I don't even think, and I could be completely full of shit. So please, I don't know that this is true or not. But oh, like, even the idea of overpopulation, we aren't even <laughs> trying right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to live in a good way. I don't. I think that like. Uh, if our intention was to recreate a relationship with the earth that was symbiotic and created welfare and all bases, I think that we could still sustain this many people in a good way. We'd have mm-hmm. to be more conscious about it, which actually we probably already are because I think the baseline for children back in the 50s and 60s was probably like four to seven kids per family, and now you barely you don't see more than three or two. Yes, right? So I think that's already happening in in some cases it is um but you still do see and larger families a lot of times or i i feel like are very much can be very much more of a burden right at least in today's society because if you got five six seven kids even financially exactly to go back to what you were saying about finding that connection in the city I, i think that you uh I think that you absolutely could. You know, it's all about intention. You could have you could have beautiful space mm-hmm. here. You know, it's like what it really. I think that what has more to do with that is a restriction of needs being met. You know, because the truth of it is, we have plenty of everything. Mm-hmm. We have so much. I mean, look at the waste. You know how much energy it takes to keep this as dysfunctional as it is. Yeah, it takes a lot because yeah. there's very there's a ton of self-perpetuating sustainable systems that would actually make themselves grow if we invested in them that way you know but if, if it's it's like if we continue to put our bottom line as profit instead of people in planet first then we're going to continue to get what we get you know and it, and it is that separation and that idea like what you were talking about earlier that there that we have to be in a certain way to achieve here, you know, mm-hmm. but really this is, uh, uh, this culture is in its infancy, you know, and, right. I, and if we do, if we look at benchmarks, which have been declining culture and all the empires throughout time, we're experiencing them right now. Yeah. 
you know, like even soil degradation, that was a benchmark, you know, water quality, crazy political shit, (laughs) you know, crazy sexual bar. How far can we push the craziness? All these things have already happened and that's what we're experiencing now, you know? And so like when it was saying, Hey, the water's rising, well, the water is rising. And I think Mm -hmm. that it could like when we were talking about like the, all the doomsday in the media and in the film, industry right now. I don't think that it has to go like that, but I think that we would have to inject consciousness into the decisions that we're making for it to change. You know, if we continue to be reactive to uh, letting culture lead this and us be reactive to it instead of investing in it. Proactive, yeah. Instead of proactive, right. Do do you you think it's more uh, prudent to change it by separating from the culture and and becoming autonomous or by actively fighting back against it I don't think I don't know about either one of those like <laughs> right now what I'm like looking at is uh, okay so uh, one of the people that I go to for guidance uh, my uncle is like don't even pay attention to it don't even that don't make it your world you know what i mean like why don't what you put your focus on multiplies you know and i'm not saying that be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand but instead of fighting against anything i'm gonna plant seeds and plant roots in creating things that can flourish mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so why this is in decline we're building a foundation like barbara marks hubbard was like uh a futurist, forward-thinking, uh, pretty amazing person, and I, I even forget the name of the book right now. But the metaphor or the example that she used is that, like, when a caterpillar is becoming a butterfly, the caterpillar believes it's dying, and but uh, during this time, all these transitional cells are being built within the structure to change. Mm-hmm. So, so like right now, uh, whether we're talking about isolating or fighting against, I think we just need to build the foundation to get reconnected so that the next seven generations have a chance (laughs) to experience this beautiful life. I think it's really easy to say, uh, the squeaky joint gets the, gets the oil too. Yeah. And when things are going wrong, it's, it's easy to focus on those instead of building up the things that are going right or embracing the, our whole, all of media is about that, right? Yeah. And our culture in general, I feel like, um, I had I went to Arizona to Phoenix specifically and it had a really big effect on the way that I saw society because we have a desert with no water and no rain and green grass mm-hmm. and all of these, you know, crops that are grown out there that are mm-hmm. brought tons of water and irrigation instead of just going to the places that have water right. to grow these things or right. to have these things if that's what you want. Right. So right. fighting against the that's like making that artificial environment exactly. right? instead of watching and learning and being in a way that's going to benefit from that, you know. Exactly. And uh you know, it like you said, embracing the earth and seeing what works well in different places instead of trying to artificialize that. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's what you guys are kind of doing out there. You and the, the other communities out there that are kind of stepping away from city life or, uh, I don't know how to identify it. Like 
normal culture or yeah. what people dominant view. culture dominant right culture point. sure yeah. we'll call it yeah. the, the hustle and bustle yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and stepping away from dominant culture so that way we can see that um you know we can play to our strengths instead of our weaknesses right yeah oh yeah absolutely and that's like um it started to hit on that if you watch her if you watch the interaction out there you will learn the things that work you know the things that you need to know yeah like you guys probably shouldn't grow uh like something that grows in the south like let's say peaches i identify as like a southern georgia south thing like if right. you or avocados you guys probably shouldn't plant avocado trees right. <laughs> in the middle of pennsylvania you know embrace the things that work in our in in our area most of the time uh it's weird because uh right now it's like we do basic math right and she's never operating like that like one plus one equals two right i go to work i do this and i get my paycheck i come home i, I do this uh, she's always working where one cause has multiple effects mm-hmm. right like when it rains it cleans the air it waters the trees mm-hmm. it waters the animals it filters down through the earth everything is interacting with each other to have multiple benefit right we don't operate now, basic <laughs> like economy that. says yeah. that uh basic economics say that i should focus on the one on one thing in monocrop and right. grow corn or yeah. grow one uh aspect of uh, uh, like a like uh-huh. a single purpose thing and focus on that and hone in on that yeah. instead of seeing the other things that i can uh use this knowledge or these strengths to apply to Right. Rather than, you know, the monocrop idea. Yep. It's weak. It's, it's <laughs> it not makes good. systems weak. Right. Right. Instead of that diversity, it, it makes it weak. With the di- well, no, never mind. I was just thinking, like, if anything, it's definitely weak, but it definitely serves the purpose of uh, feeding. Yeah, when you have 500 million people in an area, right? You guys are opening up a big, (laughs) big, because it's it's proven that when uh, scientifically proven that when we add food to a population, the population grows. So like we'd be taking it all the way back to the Cain and Abel stories of when we shifted from being hunters and gatherers and then started agriculture. Agriculture. But then, but like this is what this is like us adding consciousness to the situation because there is there's middle ground that we could go Mm -hmm. uh if that was our intention right and then currency gets involved too yeah you know i'm going to grow all this for money for the things that i need rather than uh you know not necessarily barter but like barter as far as time goes you know what i mean like i offer you my time or my service or my labor and instead of getting any sort of physical reward, we're rewarded with monetary gain right. or currency to exchange for other things. Right. I, I think and that's a separation from like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's been going on for fuck forever. And the, the upper echelons of, of a society on any level will absolutely abuse that power. But it seems like the more that we're pushing away from like, spirituality as a culture and people are just like well this is science they're not fucking scientists but they're like well it's science and like 
I'm gonna die anyways and nothing's happening after that so fuck it I'm gonna enjoy my life I don't care what happens to anybody else I think that's more like kind of like what's going on with culture right now is more people push away from the idea I like I, I and I hear what you're saying and I think that there is something that to to that but I think personally I think that it's more of fear of our own death you know what I mean? Like, when we get close to our death or to the fact that I'm going to die, then there there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. And I, I think that people intrinsically want to live in a good way and be good people for the most that I've seen. Like, they're operating from whatever programming they're coming from. But generally speaking, most people are good. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that operating... It's moving from that fear base, and, and that one that one thing, that fear of that death, drives most of our decisions. You know, it drives all of capitalism. Yeah. If you really want to spin it out, it drives uh, all the things that we do to get away from ourselves and to get away from this moment, which is the same breakdown that we were talking about sitting out there on the stoop of that farmhouse until that Netflix kicked on. <laughs> you know what I mean? All these little things that we do to get, if we really wanted to get in touch with it, of the fact that at some point I will be passing and that's okay and that's a natural process too and that the rest of this space, this life is a gift once I become fully aware of that, right. you know? And I think that like legacy building also gets tied in there from that fear of death, you know? I have to collect so much... Uh, you know, property or money or prestige or whatever, that way mm -hmm. my name lives on or my offspring are able uh, to live a better life than I do, which is all positive stuff. Yeah. But it can be, like we said, it can be focused on and monocropped, you know what I mean? Where yeah. that's all I think about is uh, monetary gain and providing a legacy and generational yeah. wealth and yeah. all of these other things. And that idea of separation, too. You know what I mean? Like, I love my children. I want my children to be all right, but I really want your children to be all right, too. And, mm -hmm. there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that that doesn't... Uh, Until it's taken to the extreme. Yeah. Where See, I'm running a giant corporation and have five cent workers in China or India oh, or whatever oh, working yeah, for... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And even the money story, there's nothing really wrong with the money per se. It's what you choose to do with it and what you'll do for it. You right. know, if right. you'll create harm to, yeah. to gain it. I, I, I feel like people don't know what they're going to do, like, for the most part, because there's more have-nots than there are have, at least when it comes to, like, money and power. And I think there's plenty of people who genuinely think that they would be good people if, like, they got fucked if they got, like, $100 million. But, like, you know, to, the statistics show that you're probably going to end up being pretty shitty. Like, not everybody, but, uh -huh. like, the vast majority of people who come into wealth and power get consumed by it. Like, it's, uh -huh. it's a folly of human nature. And they've been stepping on everybody's neck the whole way up there a lot of times. Right. Well, it's not... I mean, that's usually the case, but those are the people you expect to like be shitty when they're stepping on next to get up there. I'm talking about that's what blows my mind is that like during the, the people that have amassed this much wealth, uh, like you'd think at some point within the evolution of your own consciousness that you would acknowledge and want to do really amazing things with that. Yeah. You know, that it, I think the, the perfect, please don't. 
shut us down, Elon Musk. Really? But I think you're the. I think. <laughs> I think he's like the perfect example. No, because when he started up, like you know, PayPal, and then they got into Tesla and stuff. He had this image of like this like anti-billionaire, anti-powerful person. Right. Like he was the, the free flow of currency. He was a yeah. free flow. He was the cool guy. He was progressive, whereas all these other guys were, or men and women were like, you know, cutthroat stepping on that. Next, Elon Musk is the, the millennial or, you know, Gen Xer that's fucking cool and awesome. And now he's oh, buying yeah. Twitter and having his people work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, sleeping on the floor and, you know, taking stances where it's just almost like a uh, draconic, you know, like, mm-hmm. and people are like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Yeah, you know? This might seem off subject, but like what we were talking about earlier, like, I really like, Tony was telling me about some of the future guests that you guys have coming on, and I got to listen to a, a few that you've already did, and I really like that you're putting the focus on the opposites of those stories. You know, yeah. the people that have come back to find what they want to connect with and what they want to be with. Right. You know, uh, and like that spreads like wildfire, right? Mm-hmm. When we get lined up in a good way with something that makes our heart joyous, that that grows and that spreads like wildfire. And that, I mean, then goes to show, like if my own personal belief is that we individually and collectively are so powerful that all this energy kept on us putting our focus on this is needed to keep us participating in the way that we're participating. Mm-hmm. You know, like the media, uh, its intention is to create fear and calamity. Right. You know, because what, what you sells focus, papers. It sells papers. Well, news is business. And Big your business. focus is amazingly powerful. What you focus on magnifies and multiplies and manifests. So if they can grab a hold of that focus, then that's what it becomes. Absolutely. These numbers were, this was like a decade and a half ago, like, uh, in, uh, in even advertisement, right? Like trillions of dollars, like say three trillions of dollars. And you know, from the studying that you do or have done that they don't invest that three trillion dollars. if There's not a feedback, right? If they are, they, they wouldn't be putting that money in. So like literally your focus manifests if your focus can be grabbed it manifests <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah. and like i guess i guess that's where the crossroads is with a lot of good people because like currently what we're doing you know and hopefully it continues that way but it's a project of passion exactly we, we enjoy it but like there's so yeah. many people that get involved in project of passion projects of passion and then it gets to a point where it can be monetized and when the right group with the right amount of money is uh-huh. like this will change your life and uh we'll either completely take it over or you gotta you're gonna work rules. you're gonna work for us but you're gonna make like you know me and him are doing this for fun with someone you know someone you know like mm-hmm. uh 
God, I'm so behind on who owns shit. I was gonna say like the Hearst. He's been fucking dead for like William Randolph Hearst type shit. Like if someone was like, well, you know, we'll give you two million dollars each to dress up in suits and be total fucking the exact opposite of what you used that, to be. That's where that principle base would save you. Yeah, I mean, you know but that, I mean? but I'm just being dead honest. That would, that be would be tough. You, that well, would be a tough decision to when make. You're still, you're still in this world. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're still in this world where your interaction happens. It's it's gonna happen. Like we've had, I've been self-employed for probably ten to um, probably at least fifteen years now. Uh, and like I've worked for drug execs, mm-hmm. you know, and I could have made a very moral stance of no, I'm not taking this money. But like the way that I was able to uh, be with it or interact with it was that this is the uh, the money that I'm taking from this system, I'm transmuting and using it in the best way possible that I can. Yeah. Yeah, it's just someone else would have got know. the money anyways if you well, turned right, it down. Well, and it's not, but I didn't, I, I built, I, I still built structures for them. I wasn't going and doing things that were morally objective in my action right. that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, us taking and doing good things with that flow, I think, is one of the best things that right. we can do. And you know? I, I had that like moral issue when I was trading stocks a lot in early 2020, yeah. and uh, I was like, well, if all these hedge fund people are doing it, like this isn't really what I find to be right or a good way to, you know, generate some extra cash in my pocket. Yeah. But if all these pe- other people are doing it, like, don't I deserve my chunk of the change mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I can use to do what I feel would be better rather than letting all these um, hedge funds and other things like suck it all up, you know? Yep. And it's like, well, and it, it's like all that, <clears throat> all of that's touching anyways. Do you, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying rationalize yourself out of, I'm saying the energy that you bring to the world come in a good way mm-hmm. to promote what you would uh, that's going to benefit the people. Yeah, being, being complicit in uh, those kind of things. Because I'm with you, man. Like, I go to work at a undisclosed place but I go to work and I'm like oh these motherfuckers you know I make at this amount of money uh-huh. an hour and all they care about is the shareholders da 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 but I'll tell you what when one, one, yeah. one, one of my stocks go up that I'm invested in I'm like yeah. fucking ka-ching <laughs> like right. you know you know keep, keep doing what you're doing I'm making money uh-huh. daddy you know and, and I think recirculating that cash flow is so yeah. huge too oh yeah you know what I mean Maybe not taking it away from other people, but like spreading it around a little bit because that money went into, you know, projects on my house that I paid local businesses and friends and whatnot. You put it back in in a good way. Right. Like um, that, the cha-ching part, it's like really transitory anyways. Do you know what I mean? Have you, there's a documentary, I think it's, I think it's called Happiness and it was the guy, it was the producer that made all the Jim Carrey films. Yeah. Oh, cool. Have, have you seen it? Have you, I have you seen no, it? I have not. It's pretty cool. He had like more money than he could possibly think of. Like he, uh, like what, uh, not Evan Almighty, but what was uh, Bruce, Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty three, like yeah. three or four of Jim Carrey's biggest hits. This guy, this guy was like amazingly loaded, right? And he ended up just miserable, and so he ended up selling most of his shit. Uh, but during this time, he started studying like what creates happiness, and you know, like if you were cold and naked and hungry and in a ditch, and you got brought into the house and fed and given some clothing and said, "Hey, I'm happy you're alive," you're 
your happiness level would be off the chart. Mm -hmm. Now, everything past your basic needs being met lasts for very short periods of time once a certain amount, you know? So like say, okay, so like there's a big difference between worrying about whether you can pay your electric bill and that not being a worry for you, right? So whatever, uh, let, what I'm getting at is the second boat, the second house, these things that are status symbols that aren't necessarily needed, the happiness level is very transitory. You might be happy for a month, two months, maybe a year, but it's not It's not real. What was, the, what was the quote I just heard? And it made me laugh because, you know, deep down there is that, that, that struggle between these things, but it's like the... Uh, it's like the uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure does rent some time or, or yeah. something yeah, like, or it sure it. does rent it, yeah. you know, like. Right. right, and I think that part of human nature is like tolerance building, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. at first maybe buying my my first house or my first mansion or my first boat uh-huh. might get make me pretty happy for a while. Right. And then my second boat has to be way bigger and way better and all of these other things to achieve that same level of euphoria and not only does that like apply in like positive things but in negative things as well like gambling we're on a poker table like the first time i lost a hundred dollars yeah it was devastating to me and now in order to get that upset i might have to lose three or four hundred dollars you know yep or and you know goes along with drugs or drinking or anything you know i need more to feel the same euphoria than i did when I first tr- started, you know, or that same level of pain when yeah. something bad happens. Well, I mean, we mm-hmm. got these devices in our hands nowadays that just like pump that up to the fucking to the max, brain, right? the max. Yeah. Like, and it's like kind of how we started this conversation. Like, that's just how people are basically being raised from childhood nowadays mm-hmm. is to just feed into that that uh, instant gratification and that uh, like almost addictive nature, you and, know, culture. Oh yeah, and, and the I always called them the fair children that live out uh-huh. your way yeah. <laughs> they're, they're some of the most interesting and thoughtful uh-huh. little tiny humans that I, yeah. I've met in all of my life you oh, know what yeah. I mean yeah. I feel like I can a lot of kids I'm not able to have like a Succinct, conversation yeah, with. yeah, exactly. A succinct, thoughtful uh, conversation that stays like on one topic and yeah. develops like a conversation uh, should compared to a lot of other kids that I see in uh, a more traditional or yeah. the dominant culture's, yeah. uh, you know, way of living, right. which is so interesting. You know, it's got that slowdown. They're able to, you know, think through something and see the conclusion and let it develop naturally to oh, it yeah. before... Um, you know, maybe short circuiting that that conclusion right. Right. and going well, somewhere else. There you go, and I think that that's the, probably if there is a dangerous part about the technology, it is that like really short, instant feedback. Because like the information itself is awesome. Oh yeah, know, like being mm-hmm. able to look up anything right now, having access to that information, that's amazing. You know, it's just getting used to that feedback cycle, and then. Uh, the addictive nature of it you know see i i I think it is awesome i think it also kind of takes away from like like our uh cultural or maybe our like our our uh, ties to our uh past you know i I, kind of how like the the way we used to collect information before Mm -hmm. was just based off of uh you know what other people say and i think that kind of even though it's it's definitely 
not always accurate and it might be harmful at times. I think that was like a cool mysterious way to, way to live where you just had to, you know, take someone's word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you had to like... But anecdotal evidence is still incredibly valid. Uh, yeah, but I feel like, like a it's... Personal story. I feel like it's slipping though. I feel like the anecdotal evidence is slipping because if I was sitting here, if this was like 20 years ago uh-huh. and we were talking about a subject that not all of us knew a whole lot about, I could be like, yeah, you know, grapes grow at, you know, like in the temperature range from this to this. That's what my Aunt Joe told me. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's what she said. Cool. But nowadays it'd be like, well, let me fucking see about <laughs> well, your Aunt Joe. The, you know? the, the part that that gets messed up at is... Um, the the relaying of that information, I think. Yeah. The secondhand nature of it. Direct personal anecdotal evidence is incredibly valid and real, and I can't oh, take absolutely. away from anybody's story. But when we start playing the telephone game and passing that around yeah. is yeah. where things start to get misconstrued a lot. And especially, like, even with modern information, you know, any story or news thing or whatever that you find on social media... Mm-hmm has probably passed through three, four, five, six, seven different hands before it finally got to you and you're getting yeah. the the completely different version of yeah. that compared to the first hand evidence of reading a an article from a scientist uh-huh. or me just talking to you and well, sharing about our personal experiences. But people things. people see that stuff online Especially if it's written in an, in an article form, and especially mm-hmm. if it's older people, and they just automatically assume it and accept it to be truth. Yeah, they they don't discern the well, fact that it's the funny thing is is that like it and what you guys are talking about too. I think is like going from like knowledge to wisdom. Like when you have the actual experience of it, you have gain, you can gain something from it, and mm-hmm. you have something to build on from too. Like, and I'm I'll say this. <clears throat> for my my 16 year old son right now uh-huh. it doesn't matter how many times or how much energy i put into his awareness growing it's going to grow when it's time for it to grow yeah. <laughs> when he wants it to grow and when he participated and when he has that experience to have a building block to build from you know what i mean so like that information it can be spoken all that it's want but like having the actual experience of something and so like part of it too is like and even that journey out there was like removing was the willingness for not everything to be perfect and trusting you know that uh that it was gonna be okay mm-hmm. <laughs> not perfect but okay right you know and then we go from there and we make it through it you know we that. survive and we keep going yeah right. i wonder if it's like the separation how like i think that the most beneficial and most harmful thing that has been given to us through technology, it might not be, but the, to me it is, uh, is how people just cannot tell directions anymore. Oh, yeah. And people are, <laughs> even if I'm, like I do it now, like even if I'm going halfway yeah. across town, if it's a street yeah. that I'm like not a hundred, like some side uh, street on the west side, because I live on the east side that I'm not yeah. usually around, that shit's going in Google yeah. immediately. Oh, right. Like I'm like following 99% of the route that I know and then just listening yeah. to this phone, you know. And uh, what about telephone numbers, man? I literally know no one's telephone not number. Like, if I, I can remember a few like elementary school friends, and yeah. that's about it. Right. My mom. I don't, I don't even have a. <laughs> it's funny when you ask someone their phone number now and they have to, like, if it's on the phone, they have to fumble through their phone. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, I have no idea what my phone number is, you know. But I think that's like a, it, it's like a great metaphor 
for where we're at right now, just as people in general, like we're uh, people for the most part feel like they're on a on a grid and just being directed to exact points mm. um and there's no uh mystery to it there's no learning how to get from point a to point b right. it's just getting on the track and being pushed along right you know and i think yeah, that's really so many levels that's really how we are as a culture right now yeah, right and uh i think it's great well, right, and we're being spoon-fed the idea of what success is, but not, like, uh, any actual proof that that's even what you want or that that's what brings happiness. Like, it can tell me that, you know, like, this is what you want, this is what you want. I'm watching... Uh, I don't have to use him as an example. I was going to go back to my son, but I'm watching so many kids nowadays think that this is what they want. If I emulate this, this will create success. This will create happiness. This is it. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm telling you, if we don't do that internal work, none of that's going to add up to a bunch of shit or it won't, it won't mean a thing. Right. You know, it'll be pearls before swine. You have all this abundance but no you'd have people doing what they're doing right now and we're talking about the people that have achieved this great tremendous amount of abundance and like doing ridiculously wasteful shit with it <laughs> instead of imagining a greater idea of where their reach could do it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like uh it's like an it's like we're in an efficiency culture as compared to a fulfillment one. Right. What do you mean by efficiency? Or? Efficiency meaning like um, doing whatever is necessary with the least amount of steps, and uh, to get what you want. Or to uh, get. I feel like it's get what you're told you want. Get what you're right. told you well, want. I, or like. Or like. Um, Efficient in the sense that you're not considering the negative points that might come from the yeah. wake you leave behind as long as yeah. it's the, you can it's, set it on the table. Yeah. As long as it's the quickest way to get or the you know for I, that singular task. It all goes back to your intention, right? Because yeah. like I lay I'm a mason, I lay brick, I lay block, and so if I can t- if I can take a step out of that, it's it's awesome. And I'm right. really cool with that, right? But if the so with that intention but if the intention is only to make profit, if the end goal is always profit and not fulfillment, right? then... And you, I feel like you kind of may, if you're not super well-versed in where you're going or what you're doing, that little bit of efficiency may be uh, not structural, not have structural integrity. Yeah, right, right. They're not knowing where you want to go, man. And that, and that's okay. Now and you're cracking open like huge topics because it's mm. all, we need a new creation story, right? Yeah. We don't. You, what you're saying, people being pushed on a grid, going places that they don't even know what they're doing, why they're doing it, going out to make this money to come back to houses that they don't have time to even spend in because they have to go out you know so like when we when we were even back probably two three four generations back people dipped out to make profit to come invest in their homestead and take care of their people now we do the opposite we go out there or maybe so much profits needed that we go out there and give all our time out there and don't even have time to have a life right you know and you see that with a lot of people i see that a lot of people um, really identify work as like their 
their soul. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like their, their thing, you know, their passion. That's what they want to be right. doing. They want to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, every day, all day long. You know, that's yeah. what they live and die for. And how do you, I feel like I learned this a long time ago. My, my, uh, an, uh, like a, a mentor to me told me, you know, your work is what you do to enjoy the rest of your life. You know, would you be doing what you're doing if there wasn't a paycheck at the end of it? It reminds me of the, right. It reminds me of the old, I'm going to butcher it. I was going to pull up my phone because I hate getting quotes wrong. But it reminds me of the old, like, John Lennon quote where he was like, I was in school and they gave an assignment and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be happy. And the teacher said, you didn't understand the assignment. And he was like, you don't understand life. Yeah. You know, like, because right. you're right. It's such like a... What do you want to be like? You know, you got to want to be some kind That's of my occupation identity. to right. feed back in and right. you know work for the right. society. And you okay? And so, like going back to you even using the word efficiency, I, I get what you mean, or just more of that absorbed because it, like with that as the goal, right? With this outcome as the goal. Uh, Again, it goes back to what we focus on, right? What our goal is, what we want to happen, because like prior to that. Uh, the goal was the health of our family, the health of our community, and it was the breaking away of that that got us to this. Mm -hmm. You know, like the it, the myth of culture. Like they told us that this would solve all these things, really. But prior to this, we probably only worked like four to six hours a day. It was done with people that we loved. It was directly benefiting where we lived. It was done with elders being mixed with children. So children had a foundation and a guidepost to become good people instead of like how it is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things also, and there we go. So back to multiple needs were being met by one action instead of one action uh, failing <laughs> again yeah. and again, you know. <clears throat> There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on here today. Yeah. It's been, I feel like we could continue on this conversation uh -huh. for an, another hour or two if we wanted to. I feel like this yeah. is the exact definition of everything at once. Everything I think, at once. I don't want to say, because we've talked a lot about like being at false pinnacles right now, and I think yeah. we're at a false pinnacle, because I think we can go higher, but God damn it, if this doesn't feel like the peak of doing everything at once right now. Just incremental. Incremental. <laughs> and we've said that a lot, too. You know, and things keep progressing and getting better for us, and we keep honing our skills and hopefully providing a better, better content for you guys. And uh, we hope that you've really enjoyed this one, Josh. Thank you I so much. Yeah, you. this was awesome. Dude. Thank you. And uh, everybody out there listening, uh, thank you so much for uh, continuing to listen. Uh, we love you guys, and it really makes it easy for us to keep doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and remember to do your best. Stay in school. That's <laughs> no, right. Kidding. Or don't stay in or school. Or don't stay in school. Yeah, be a feral child and live in the woods. <laughs> if that's what you're called to do, do what you want to do. That's what's really important. Don't 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 just listen to the man blindly. Don't listen to us either. Don't listen to us. <laughs> Except either. actually listen to our podcast. But, yeah. You know, we, you guys know what I mean. You've, you've been here long enough. Thank you guys. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.